So my message today, you know, uh, starts with a question, and that is, are you entitled? You know, and, and, and there could be two ways to look at it, you know. First, if you look at, at, you know, the right way of entitlement is when you know who you are in God, what the Word says you can have, right, what, prom- what God's promises are, when you understand the full work of the cross, right, and the full work of salvation and, and what, what we received at the cross, right, and you, you guard that with a zeal that says, no, like healing is mine, right? No, prosperity is mine. Peace is mine. And you know you're entitled to it, not because of your works, but because of the grace of God, right? And what Jesus did, not what we did, right? So that, that's a good kind of entitlement. You know you're entitled to that. But then there's a, a wrong entitlement, which is what we see a lot of in the world today. And what we, um, you know, the, the negative kind of entitlement, you know, and so, you know, we see this a lot in, yeah, I'm not going to say just young people because we see this on everybody, you know, this is, this is something that's been coming down the line for, for many, many years, right? And so I want to talk about this today a little bit, and if you would open your Bible with me to the book of Luke, please, I'm going to go to Luke chapter seven first yeah i did forget to announce something tonight we have young adults yay we had to cancel last time we only have it twice a month but we have young adults tonight at 6 p.m over here um you know in the safe house we're gonna have a great time if it's not too cold we might go play volleyball why not so young adults who is the young adults group is if you've turned 18 years old or you've or you've graduated high school um Come, college and career, um, that's the type of uh, the group that we have there, and um, it's a great, great time, so you're welcome to come to that. Um, okay, Luke chapter, I said, 7. Okay, let's put it up on the screen, please, and we're going to start, sorry, in verse 47, please, Joel. Luke seven forty-seven. Okay, actually, we're going to read, we're going to go back a few verses, my bad. You know, it's been a while since I've done this, I just hope I still remember. <laughs> just kidding. <clears throat> Start with me in verse 36, okay? So we're going to read about two passages of scripture, and uh, this is the first one. It says, now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, verse 36, sorry. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. How many of you think, like, this woman was probably given a really good expression of worship and thankfulness and, and those kinds of feelings were coming out towards Jesus, right? Because if, if you realize here in verse um, 37, it says, it's a woman who had lived a sinful life, right? So is a bad woman. She used to be a bad woman, right? Bad. Only her. Verse 38, she stood behind him. Okay, sorry, verse 39. It says, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man, talking about Jesus, were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. I like how Nick says a sinner. She's a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. He said, two men owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii. And the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he canceled the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Trick question. Simon replied, I suppose the one who had bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. 
but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. Now, let me tell you something. It didn't mean it's right. It doesn't mean that it's right. But that's how human behavior tends to act. Because human behavior looks at their actions to qualify or disqualify themselves, right? Based upon our actions and our behavior and our performance, we grade ourselves, right? But the way of God is completely different. The way of God is you can absolutely get, you can get anything, nothing from God by your own works, no matter how good you are. Because even in your best day, you're still going to mess up. You're still going to fall short. All have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned, right? So this woman was a sinner, but truth is, we were all sinners before Jesus. Right? We were all sinners. That was our identity before we received the gift of grace into our lives through Jesus Christ. We were all sinners. We were all fully disqualified. What percentage? Well, it depends on what you did in your past. No, 100% disqualified. Right? This woman, right, she had sinned a lot. She had a reputation of being a bad woman, right? Everybody knew. But so did Simon. He was also a sinner. And Jesus says the reason why she loves much is because much was forgiven, right? And the reason why you love little is because little was forgiven. In other words, you're looking at the human scale of grading yourself and qualifying and disqualifying yourself. When God is not looking at that, God's like, you all sin. 100% disqualified, no matter how much you think you deserve or don't deserve. It doesn't take more grace or more blood to save that woman than it did to save the Pharisee. You understand that? Therefore, Jesus is saying the reason why she loves much is because she's conscious that, that a lot was forgiven to her. But the truth of it is, is that all of us were forgiven all of it. And our, our attitude, you know, if when we understand that even by being as good as we possibly could, we still don't qualify. When we realize that, then you take the forgiveness of God as if you had had the same life as that woman. It's like she messed up 90% of her decisions were terrible, right? Messed up, messed up, bad, 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 bad. Therefore, she cannot enter the kingdom of heaven, right? And here you are, 90%, 95% of your decisions are perfect. 99% of your decisions are perfect, right? And guess what? You still cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. It makes no difference. It makes absolutely no difference. Therefore, the thankfulness on both ends should be the same. Because it's only by what he did, by his grace, that anybody whether you messed up 99% of your decisions or 1% of them, it's just by his grace that we all enter in. It's just by his grace that we are saved. Therefore, our level of worship and thankfulness should be the same as that woman. You understand? See, I want to say that the Pharisee had some kind of entitlement because he wasn't that bad. Therefore, he thought he deserved more. So he thanked less. He didn't offer the water. He didn't anoint him with oil. He didn't kiss on his feet. He didn't do any of those things that this woman did do because he didn't feel like he had to, right? He took stuff for granted based on his behavior. 
And how many times we do that? We take things for granted. Oh, I'm just not that grateful, but I'm not that bad either. So if you're not that grateful naturally, maybe it's because you take things for granted. Maybe you feel like you're entitled to these kinds of things. Um, you know, it's, this, this message particularly, is, it's kind of difficult and when we have a culture like the one we have here. Because one of the, the pillars, one of the, the things that, that we constantly say and promote is that we want our ceiling to be your floor. We want our ceiling to be our children's floor, right? And that is a, an amazing concept because religious mentalities from old say, no, I started in the basement scrubbing the toilets, you need to start in the basement scrubbing the toilets too, right? And what happens is that the next generation never gets past us because we had them start where we started. But Jesus brings a different concept, and he says, right, paid for it all. I've been given all power, dominion, and authority, right? And now in my name, go and do these things and greater things, Right? So he set the bar and said, here's what I accomplished. Now you go and do this and greater things. See? So we take on that concept. And we want to be able to reproduce, reproduce what Jesus did. But something that is very important that we need to carry in our heart is a, a value for the cost. And that is the cost of Jesus, of the cross, right? Like it cost him his life. To do that, therefore, we can never separate our empowerment to do greater things from the cost. Because the minute we do, there's no more power to that, right? Interesting thing in the world is that there's a lot of entitlement because people or generations no longer counted the cost of what was passed on to them. So whether that's me, am I entitled? I need to know that. Or whether I am raising entitled children, that's also another question, right? So quiet online. No likes, no hearts going up right now. <laughs> so the challenge with each generation building on the next generation's accomplishment is that we often forget the sacrifice it took to give us such amazing inheritance. We tend not to value it because we did not work for it. And consequently, we don't do what is necessary to sustain it. Just as we had to remind our, um, let, me, let me stop right there for a second. When we don't count the cost for what we inherited, we won't be able to sustain it, right? So think about the prodigal son. Think about the prodigal son for a second. He said, give me my money, <laughs> right? He's like, give me my money. The part of the inheritance that corresponds to me, I want that, give it to me, right? So he got the benefit. But he didn't get the inheritance. Listen, he got the benefit of it, and he was not able to sustain it. He lost it all. He was not able to reproduce it. He was not able to sustain it, to carry it, none. He lost it all because all he got was the benefit because he did not count the cost. He didn't value it. We need to learn to value the inheritance because the inheritance has a cost and a history. And when we value that, then we're able to sustain it. We will learn how to sustain it because we know the cost. See, I, I used to hear about parents that never say no to their kids. And it sounds so right in a way. It sounds so right in a way, you know, because it's like, you know, yeah, God doesn't say no to us. I don't know. I'm not going to get into that, you know. All his promises are yes and amen, but they're good promises, right? And so 
you know, I, I used to hear this a lot, like, oh, I never say no to my children, like, because I don't want them to ever have a, a negative, you know, feeling about dad, you know, and, and, and just kind of a little bit of a, a twisted theory right there, because um, if, we, if they never get a no, they, they'll never value the yes, right? And, and so you're like, well, you know, is God like that with us? I know he wants us to value what the cost of everything he gave us was, right? Because I don't want to be the one that takes the benefit and runs away like a prodigal son. I want to count the cost. I have a friend, he was, he was talking to me about, um, he was wearing his grandpa's watch. And I, and I noticed it because it was old style uh, watch. And I'm like, oh, I, I noticed that. And it's a, it's a nice watch, but you can tell it's, it's dated, you know, it's, it's old. And... Um, and it didn't really match his outfit or anything, you know. So I was like, I said, that's a really cool watch, you know. Because I recognized that there was a value in that. And he's like, yeah, it's my grandpa's watch. And I'm like, that is awesome, right? When you grab the inheritance without counting the cost and the value of it, you just look at it as a benefit. And you could look at that watch and be like, eh, it's old. It's not really in style, and there's no value for it. But when you understand the history, what it costs for the person or the people before you to take that and to guard that and to bring it in all the way for you to have it, it has a whole nother meaning. It doesn't even matter anymore, you know, if it's expensive, if it looks good or not, because it has a value and you understand the cost. Are you getting something out of this today? Yeah. Um, there was a, a, a pastor's family who, um, they, they weren't very well off, you know, in their, in their beginnings. Uh, but then, you know, in the last decade, couple decades, God has blessed them. And, you know, they're able to do a lot more than they used to before financially. So they have a lot of grandkids. And, um, and, and it used to be that they only got him one gift, right, for Christmas. One good gift for Christmas. But as they got wealthier and more prosperous, um, you know, they're like, hey, you know, grandkids, you know, like 10, 15 grandkids. They're like, come here, you know, give us a list of what you want, you know. And they would give him everything on their list, like, boom, just everything, right. And it was like, yeah, amazing. Like, they're so blessed, you know, so thankful, blah, 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 you know. And then uh, a few Christmases into that, uh, it happened that, you know, he, he says the, uh, the tree was al almost disappeared into the gifts, you know. And, and he, uh, and, you know, and they go and everybody gets their list of gifts and their presents and they're very happy. Except at the very end, when it's all gone, one of the grandkids is upset and it's crying. You know, and they, they, like the mom's like, what happened? The grandma's like, what happened? You know, he, he's like, what happened? You understand, like, they just like, this is supposed to be the happiest moment on the, of the year, right? All the gifts and everything gets, their, everybody gets their list. And there's one grand, grandkid that's just upset and crying and, you know. And they find out that grandma missed one gift on the list. Grandma missed one gift on the list and... um you know, and, and she feels terrible. You know, she goes back, grabs the list, looks at it. She goes, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And everybody's like, please don't worry. This is ridiculous. You know, you got it. Like everything except one gift. And, and so anyways, that kind of, you know, blew over. And they, but they went to bed with this feeling of like, uh, are we doing something wrong here? You know, are we creating entitlement in our kids? You know, because... That kind of reaction, right, you know, tells you about what's going on in, in the heart, what's happening in here, right? And not that the kids are evil or anything, but, you know, we teach them to value things, right? Or, and I'm not talking about valuing material things, right, but valuing the cost behind it. And so uh, they decided next year they were going to do things different. They were going to give each one of them just one special gift, but then they were going to give them money. And they were going to go buy gifts for families who had nothing, right? And so they all got one gift. And then, the, you know, one of those days uh, during the Christmas week, 
they took all the grandkids and they went and visited, you know, the, the poorest places that, that they knew uh, people were living in. And they brought them and they brought gifts for them, right? And they got to experience seeing, like, these kids that have nothing, right? Like, open up a gift and their lives just, boom, completely changed in one moment. And so... Um, That changed everything because they understood that they understood cost and they understood value, right? So now receiving a gift means something completely different than it did before. So what's the antidote and what's the, you know, the vaccine to entitlement? It's, it's a thankful attitude. And a lot of people don't have that or don't come to it naturally because maybe how they were raised or, you know, they just take things for granted. You know, it's one of the reasons I love taking people on a mission trip. Your life is never the same. Because when you go into a third world country and you get into these people's houses and you realize how, how people live, you understand that what you have is not normal and you stop taking it for granted. Listen, and I'm not trying to swing us over to like the poverty mentality by any means, you know, like, oh my gosh, you know, here's my one piece of, you know, no. Because we don't want to idolize stuff either. Stuff is just stuff. Right. But when you go on a mission trip, you you see things, you know, when you travel to a third world country, you see and you understand the power of gratefulness and you understand how blessed you are and how much stuff you, you know, you have that other people will never, ever have. You know, here you are like you can, you know, iPhone. I don't know what number it is. Twelve, thirteen, you know, twelve. Right. There's people that will never in their life ever, you know, play with anything or have anything close to anything like that. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having the latest and greatest, you know, by any means. But I'm saying entitlement can creep in very easily and you stop losing value for things. You know, if you read the book of Ecclesiastes, you understand uh, how where, where that ends, okay, where the stuff and, 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 the, and, the, and the just having everything, you know, at, a, at, the finger, at your fingertips, how, where does that end? And, and you see the Solomon's like, I had everything. I had every pleasure any man, any person in the face of the world could ever have or experience, right? You're like, well, he didn't have a Tesla. Okay. Anything anybody could have had in those times, right? He experienced and he had. And he said, it's all vanity. So understanding that concept really set me free from stephitis. Because I understood whenever I want something really bad, like on the other side of that, it's not going to bring me pleasure. And the problem is we live in a, in a culture and society where... Everything is so easily attained, right, even when you don't have the means to pay for it. So there's not really an understanding of cost and value because you could just get anything and have it overnighted or in three hours. Thank you, Jeff Bezos. That's the Amazon guy just for those that don't know <laughs> so you know it's like even harder now to understand cost and value of, of things and again it's not to elevate things but it's to understand like I don't want to be I don't want to fall into entitlement or ever treat something inherited you know with an entitlement attitude because if if I receive an inheritance with entitlement, I will do what the prodigal son did. I will waste it. I will not be able to sustain it. I will not be able to reproduce it. There will be no legacy that speaks after I'm gone. It'll just end. And a lot of that, um, you know, is passed down to our children. You know, and, and, and by no means, I'm not the kind of guy that says start scrubbing the toilets. I don't. 
but what I say is, is how can we effectively do, here's my ceiling, go for it, it's your floor. How can I effectively do that? I cannot trust you with that unless you have a sense of value for the cost of that inheritance. You know, um, I know I'm full of examples this morning, but um, I, um, I tell my worship team all the time, they, they've heard this many times, but you know, for us musicians and stuff like that, we value sound equipment a lot, you know? And uh, I remember when we were missionaries, I had a dream list of the stuff that we wanted, you know? He made me do it. He's like, get your list, as if, as if saying, I'm going to get it for you. <laughs> Little did I know, that was, that's not what happened. I never got it, you know? <laughs> and uh, I made my list, you know, and, and I just remember, like, even growing up in Mexico, when my dad started the church, is like, you know, you protect the microphones. And these were like, probably $10 microphones now, you know, and, but you would protect those things, and you would keep them in the box, and you would, like, you know, like, I'm telling you, like, zealously guard these things, because it was our instruments and our tools, right, and so now, nowadays, I look at this stuff, and I'm like, I love the fact that, you know, our children, they don't have to worry about that, you know, like, we knew every brand, model, and, you know, which ones were the best and everything. Like, our kids have no clue. They don't even care. And I'm so glad that they don't have to struggle, you know, for a microphone that now that's, that's, that's where we are. That's where we're blessed. But if they don't understand the value of it, they'll, they'll just, they'll mistreat it. And they won't, you know, there, there won't be an understanding for the cost that it took to get us here. And that's a dangerous place to be in. Anybody ever met somebody who's like super entitled? How, how you like them? Why? Because the entitlement attitude says you owe me. The world owes me. I'm walking here. Bow. <laughs> you know, it's that kind of attitude. It's, it's disgusting. It's horrible. I should probably look at my notes. So thankfulness looks at the cost behind the inheritance. Entitlement looks at the benefit in front of them. Okay, if you've got nothing else, write this down. Thankfulness looks at the cost behind the inheritance. Entitlement looks at the benefit in front of them. Right? Thankfulness looks at the cost behind what you're receiving. Right? I'm receiving of your time. And that took you planning out, carving out time for me. You know, that took you planning other things around this. I am thankful for that. Instead of, ha, huh, finally, you're here. Good. You know, it's like, all right, is that all you got for me? Okay. All right. Bye. See, because the other thing of that is thankfulness is closely tied to honor, right? And we say that honor draws life. So somebody who's entitled cannot possibly receive life because there's no honor. There's so much about thankfulness that, that we could talk about. You should listen to uh, Nick's teaching from uh, Wednesday night. It was so good, and I love the tool that he gives about um, you know, creating a, a thankful list. Um, I'm going to give you a couple of tools before we close today. Um, if you go with me to Luke chapter 17, just go if, uh, 10 chapters ahead uh, from where we were, Luke chapter 17. All right. All right. For those watching online, if you know somebody entitled, like and share. And tag them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, there's dangers to entitlement. There's a, there's a danger to entitlement that we will lose true inheritance and that we will just waste it all. You know, like the prodigal son. Thankfully, the father was, was good, right? 
But if the father had died and the prodigal son just took it all, his whole inheritance would have been wasted, gone. There would have been no legacy. So that's the danger of being an entitled person or raising an entitled generation is that we're not preparing them to sustain what we're fighting for. <clears throat> There's a generation out there who does not value the country we live in and the things that have been fought for, the things that we take for granted. And they're like, let's just change the foundation. Let's just change the, the whole foundation. And like people rolling on their graves going, <laughs> we, we gave our lives for this. Luke 17, and let's go in verse uh, 11. It says, now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men, how many men? Ten, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out, uh, called, I'm sorry, and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Have mercy on us. Verse 14, he looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priests. Now, watch. What do they want? They wanted healing. They were lepers, okay? Lepers were outcasts. They could not be in society. They had to social distance and not six feet, but more like 6,000 feet. Like, they had to be out of the city, you know, away from their family. It's like they were in, like, a concentration camp or something like that. Just isolated completely. They couldn't be with their family, their friends, with society, nobody. So they yelled at a lot of us because they knew they actually couldn't even get close to people. And if they did, it was like a, you know, like an offense, um, not just like, like a criminal offense, okay? And so they yell from a distance, like, hey, Jesus, you know, have mercy on us. We need a miracle. We need a miracle. And Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priest. Now, why would he say go show yourselves to the priest? We know or maybe you don't know, but if a leper got healed, he needed to go get inspected. <laughs> he needed to test negative. Get it? We'll put it in today's terms. He needed to test negative. <laughs> and so he had to go get inspected by the priest, right? So Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. Now, they would only do this if they believed Jesus' word. Because the only reason to go get checked with the priest was because you were healed, and now you needed to get the, you know, the green light, okay? So they believe, and says, and as they went, okay, as they went, just quick healing and faith lesson, right? Going is action, right? They're like, okay, I believe the word, so I'm going, right? And it says that as they went, so as they were acting on their faith, they were cleansed of their leprosy, okay? Cleansed of their leprosy. So on the way, they're like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh, look at you. Oh, my gosh, you're healed. Oh, my gosh, you're healed too. Oh, you're healed. And they're like, we're all healed. Amazing. Creative miracle happened before their eyes, right? They're all going. And one of them, how many? How many were sick? How many got healed? And says, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet. Kind of like that woman, huh? You're like, that's extravagant worship. You know, I don't know why people like, they're like, ah, you know. It's in the Bible. It says, he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him, you know, for what he had done. Thankfulness is the beginning of worship. Thankfulness is the very basic, simplest form of worship. You can't worship if you're, you're not thankful. And if you're entitled, you probably don't even think you need to do this whole thing, you know? You know, Nick was uh, talking about uh, the word yada, which is a, a word for thankfulness, but it's also a word used for uh, worship in the Bible, and it means to raise your hand, right? Literally means hands up. And he says he fell to the ground thanking Jesus for what he had done. 
This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? <laughs> right? Didn't I heal 10? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to this man, stand up. Watch this. Stand up. Your faith has healed you. Okay? Um, one in ten. Which percentage are you in? <laughs> one in ten. Man, I sure hope I'm in the one. Right? I hope all my kids are in that one percent. Man, I sure hope we can raise that percentage. You know, that word healed, if you could put up that verse one more time, that last one. That's a different word right there. That word, your faith has healed you, is the word sozo. What's the word sozo? Salvation, right? All the other nine got healed, and they got cleansed. But only the one that came with thankfulness got saved. Only the one that came back with a thankful heart, an expression of worship. Jesus said, your faith has sozoed you. Because what is salvation? Salvation is not just healing. It's, it's not just, you know, to be saved from, you know, from hell. It's, it's not to be just forgiven for sins. But it's to be, be whole, at peace, and prosperous. Lacking nothing. Missing nothing. Wham. That is so powerful, guys. See, the other ten, the other nine received the what? The benefit. Right? And they, they took off like the prodigal sons. They took off with their benefit. But one, one received an inheritance. I want an inheritance. I don't want just a quick drive-through benefit, you know. You know, there's people, God has saved, restored, seen miracles in their lives. And, and you go, where are they? Oh, they're, you know, just, I, it's really hard to carve out two hours out of the week to go worship God, to go thank him, you know. It's really hard, really hard. Where there's a thankful heart, nothing else matters, you know. I have so many notes, but we're just going to start landing this plane so that we don't crash at the end. <clears throat> you know, I'm trying to build up your immune system, and you're not laughing, so whatever. <laughs> uh, thankfulness positions are hard to receive. You know, there's a great book by Andrew Womack called A Better Way to Pray. And uh, in a nutshell, I, I love it. You know, he's like, how Jesus prayed, you know. He praised God, glorified God, thanked God, throw his, through his uh, petitions and, and his requests right there in the middle, and then continued again, exalting God, lifting up God. Most of our prayer life should be worship and thanks. Worship and thanks. Am I entitled? Am I raising entitled children? Mm. I'm not naturally thankful. Right? I just thanks like you know, there's so many benefits I won't re say that you need to watch from Nick's teaching. You know, Dr. Matt sent an amazing email this week on thankfulness. So good. I love that. I absolutely love that. Um just all the benefits of being grateful and having thankfulness, you know. And if you think, like, it's, it's too much, you know, like, oh, well, that's over, over the top. Just remember the, the woman, the sinner woman that was forgiven. And she broke the alabaster jar because she had a sense, right, of what was forgiven in her life. So every time you're, like, you're not sure, you're just like, oh, man, that would be over the top. Just remember 
you know, what he did for you. Remember the cost of the cross. Okay, so if we look at the cross just for the benefit of salvation, I will not live my life in response to the cost of Jesus' sacrifice. So listen to this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this carefully. I wrote it down, and I, um, I don't want to misquote it. It says, if we look at the cross for just the benefit of our salvation, we will not live our lives in response to the cost of Jesus' sacrifice. See, when we come to the cross just for what I can get out of it. Oh, healing? Yay! Oh, I won't go to hell? Yay! And if you just come for the benefit of that, you will not live a life that is in response to the cost of Jesus' sacrifice. That will make you miss on true surrender, true transformation, and a life of true worship. And without these elements, I can't possibly walk out my destiny and my purpose. I would be just living at, you know, chasing after the next benefit. Oh, look, over there, there's more benefit. Over there, there's more benefit. And I'm stripping fruit out of different places without valuing any of the cost of those trees. So, here's an activation, okay? I'm going to close with, with this. Um, let me read this to you. An attitude of thanksgiving is the only effective inoculation against entitlement and pride. You know, I don't think any of us wants to be that entitled person. You know, I don't think our teenagers, our youth, or our children want to be that entitled person, right? Nobody wants to do that. But our world is conditioning people for that, right? It's get it now, enjoy it now, pay for it later or never. <laughs> Wear it and return it. <laughs> Somebody told me that the other day. It's like, you know, the best way you can do this is you just order another one, return the broken one, and there you go. I just can't do that, you know? It's like, that just does not sound right. <laughs> not okay. I'd rather pay extra $10, right? My integrity is not that cheap. <laughs> An attitude of thanksgiving is the only effective inoculation against entitlement and pride. So how do you inoculate yourself? How do you vaccine your, vaccinate yourself against entitlement and pride? Take time to proactively remember and recount the perseverance and sacrifice of others. You know which breakfast tastes the best? The one you make. You know, it takes me about 30 minutes to make eggs. But I am excellent. Excellent at thanking my wife when she makes me eggs, you know. And doesn't it upset you when you make your kids breakfast and they go, I don't like it. <laughs> you go, I'll give you something you don't like. <laughs> Why? Because there's a total devaluation for the cost, right? There's no value for it. No, it's an iPhone 10. It's not 12, you know. <laughs> you know, it's like, why? Because those attitudes have entitlement in it, right? There's no thankfulness and there's no value there's for, for what it costs. So how do you make sure that you don't fall into that, right? An attitude of thanksgiving. Okay, so time, take time to remember and recount the perseverance and sacrifice of others, okay? The moment we lose sight of the historic exploits of our forefathers and foremothers, we begin to digress into privileged thinking. And inheritance becomes entitlement. 
Let's make sure we're not contributing to that. So practice tangible gratitude. Write down five things about the generation before that you're thankful for. It's easy to tell the generation, you know, before and be like, oh, there's a way better way to do things now, you know. Like, well, you know, I know you did that, but, you know, things are, you know, it's better to do it this way. Now, now you're wrong there. Let me show you how, you know, it's really easy to do that. But they got us through and we're here. You know, I'm, I'm thankful for my parents. Are my parents perfect? No, they're not perfect. I'm sorry. Yes, you are perfect. No, I'm just kidding. All right. But what? I'm thankful that they broke the curse of divorce of our family, right? They came from divorced homes. They fought and they gained a territory. I don't take that for granted. I recognize it. I value it. And I thank them for it, right? Thank maybe your second generation believer. Thank those that were the first generation, right? No matter what generation you are, thank them. Thank you that I was born into this, right? Thank you that I can know Jesus. You know, since I was a little kid, that seeds were planted in my life. Maybe you're a first generation. Well, who, do you, who, who are you thankful for? So, so this, this is an exercise. Write down letters or messages to people that um, the sacrifice to the sacrifice of others and the perseverance of others and to people that brought you here or that you inherited something from them because of what they did in their lives. Something good. <laughs> what challenges did they overcome so that you don't have to? What life lessons did they instill in you that you're still benefiting from today? Share these with the young people in your life too. And if you're a parent, I want to encourage you, make sure your children hear the stories of the generations before you. Beyond that, expose them to people who are different from them, okay? Like people that aren't as uh, blessed, you know, like you are or like they are. And... Um, and help them experience the world bigger than your four walls of your house. So, what aspects about the generation before you do you want to carry into your own legacy? What are you thankful for regarding those who built before you? You know, these things are active ways in which we, we spark up thankfulness. We honor the generations before. We're grateful. We protect ourselves. We vaccinate ourselves from entitlement and pride, right? And then we teach these things to our kids and to the generations to come, right? Let's not be mad at them, you know? Why are you so ungrateful? Why are you so ungrateful? You know, they're surrounded with a world of entitlement, you know? These generations today, you know, if they don't have the Lord, they're in a really tough spot. And they think, just they take things for granted. It's because they don't know any better. So when you tell them the stories of what the cost, of what was the cost of getting here, Right? They're not sob stories, you know, but they're stories that give them value to understand that where you're today, there was a big price to pay. And the first place where we begin is at the cross, right? Hey, guess what? We don't have to deal with this stuff. We don't have to struggle with these things. We don't have to, you know, wonder where we're going to end up because Jesus died on the cross and he paid a price for us. We don't ever have to wonder where we're going to end up because Jesus paid a price, right? And you build in your children this thankfulness for what God has done for us, how he has set us up for success so that they don't just see the miracles and see the prosperity and see the peace, but they know the cost. They understand that Jesus paid for it. Amen. And that's how we create a culture of extravagant worshipers, passionate worshipers that raise their hands up in the air like they just don't care. <laughs> I didn't plan that. Stand with me. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much. Lord, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Let me just close your eyes for a moment and just, just have a moment with the Lord and start thanking him. You know, start thanking him. Thank him for the people that he's put in your life. For, for those that have poured great things into you. Thank him for, 
for the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. Thank you for the price you paid. Thank you. Thank you for your grace, your amazing, amazing grace. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, God. Lord, today we repent from taking things for granted. God, forgive us for taking things for granted. Forgive us for having entitlement in our lives. We repent from that. We repent from those mentalities. And we thank you. We thank you for all you've done for us. We say we will become the most thankful people anybody around us has ever met. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We thank you for our parents and the things that maybe we have even failed to see and to be thankful for. Forgive us, God, when we have only focused on the things that we don't have or when we have compared ourselves to others and become ungrateful or bitter for what we don't have or what hasn't happened yet. Forgive us, God. Forgive us, God. We place our heart in a place of thankfulness this morning. Thankfulness. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you show us values and, and, and things that we don't even know about, just in a supernatural way, that you would show us what generations before us are people that have poured things into our lives and the cost, the cost that it took them to, to, to bring them about so that they could share with us. So I thank you for that, God. We praise you and we worship you, God. Let our worship be extravagant to you, God. Let the understanding that Everything has been forgiven to us as if we were like that sinful woman or worse. That everything has been forgiven to us and that you deserve no less worship than that. We thank you and we praise you, God. We love you so much. We love you so much. I bless everybody in this house and everybody who's watching online. We bless you. We bless your family, your household. We release healing and health and strength to your bodies in the name of Jesus. Peace and prosperity in the name of Jesus. And we declare this, this will become and will turn into the best season of our lives. That we're stepping into it. That we'll go from glory to glory with you, God. And that things are about to get better and better and better. God, we pray for those that have had losses, Lord. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would comfort them, that you would heal them, God, that you would uh, bring peace to their hearts, God. And we thank you for healing, Lord, to everyone who is still um, battling with any kind of sickness, God. We just declare healing. We thank you, Jesus, that you paid for it on the cross, that by your stripes we were healed and we received healing in our bodies. In the name of Jesus, amen. We love you and God bless you. Have a great day.